0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Have you ever heard of the phrase, the law of unintended consequences? We want to talk about that here today on Viewpoint. As we talk about Ukraine and Russia and Israel, and yes, the U.S., and perhaps also Germany. In fact, the whole world is experiencing the effects of the law of unintended consequences. We know from the world of physics that with every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Our problem is, as human beings, we only think about the action part, what we want. We're not so well equipped to think about the reaction part that which we didn't expect. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at this law of unintended consequences. And indeed, it is sort of a law. It's not the law of God, and it's not the law of physics, per se, but it is a law because we find it so prevalent in our world. Today, we're going to take a look at how the actions that have been taking place over the past, say, four years, three years or even longer than that, have had unexpected consequences. Now, the issue is this. Unexpected to whom? Unexpected to whom? You see, the problem with unexpected consequences is that each group or each person, each uh, orientation, thought process, has its own goal and its own hoped-for consequences, what's going to result from a particular action or particular policy and so on. The problem with that is we have a very, very limited vision. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that there are many things that you thought were going to be the way it was going to be and it actually turned out quite opposite, very different? Why is that? Well, part of the reason is because we as human beings just don't have omniscience. God has omniscience, he has omnipotence, he has omnipresence, but we don't have any of those. And so we're human beings, made in his image, but we don't have omnipotence, we don't have omnipresence, nor do we have omniscience, which would enable us to see all things the way they really are or will be. And that brings up the whole idea of prophecy, doesn't it? You see, prophecy has value to us because God opens up his omniscience to us to enable us to get a peek, what we call prophecy a peak on the future. An opportunity to see not only what is today but will be tomorrow. Now we don't see it always in shall we say, glaring reality. Because as the scripture says, for now we see through glass darkly, but then face to face, now we know in part, but then shall we know even as also we are known. But we don't know. We think we know, and in our arrogance we pretend to know, we declare that we know, and our media is telling us that they know, And the various administrations are telling us they know, whether it's in America, whether it's in Russia, Germany, Ukraine, Israel, they're all making their declarations about what they know or what they think they know. But what if their ideas, their estimations of their policies, their viewpoints are actually, at the very least, skewed and perhaps just the opposite of what they think those things are going to bring about. That's what we're going to see here today on Viewpoint. And it's going to help us, I think, to understand the concept of biblical prophecy a little more effectively and not to be so hasty in our American pride, conservative or liberal pride, Republican or Democratic pride, uh, Christian pride, denominational pride, and so on, that maybe, just maybe, we should leave a few windows open in our thinking for God to really do what he is about doing and not what we think he should be about doing or is about doing. The law of unintended consequences. Well, in order to get into that, I had an opportunity, made an opportunity actually today uh, before broadcast to contact two of my uh, best sources with regard to the matter of Ukraine and Russia and the Slavic nations and so on. They happen to be two pastors, pastors of very large Slavic churches that are composed primarily of Russians or Ukrainians, or both. Now, the interesting thing is that I have spoken in both of those congregations. I've spoken in one of them about eight or nine times, and in the other one once. And so I wanted to connect with them and get their viewpoints. Because, you see, you can talk to the United States Congress, you can talk to Joe Biden, you can talk to uh, Donald Trump, you can talk to... uh, uh, Mr. Blinken, the Secretary of State of this country. You can talk to the Vladimir Putin. You can talk to Mr. Zelensky there in uh, Ukraine. And you're going to get all different kinds of viewpoints, and you're not going to have a clue, really, as to the reality that's going on. You'll just get little snippets here and there. But how do you piece it together? How do we gain an understanding that's worthy of, of responding to and is it even possible for us to see any of this from god's viewpoint you see when we started this program viewpoint launched by save america ministries back in on may 7th 1995 the whole idea of viewpoint was not just to express generic viewpoints and to allow everybody and his brother to spout off and uh, or even me to spout off for that matter the goal was to somehow explore how we can get the closest as possible to god's viewpoint on the various issues of our time because all the other viewpoints are relatively irrelevant And they give people an opportunity to express their pride on a radio station, which they now do, by the way, uh, via blogs and and so on, and the response to the blogs. And we actually had to cut off the response factor that we had available on our website because so many people were responding in arrogance and in pride and with a spirit of rebellion and cynicism and all kinds of things that were dramatically unchristian. We said, We're not about that. No, we're just not about that. That might be the American spirit, but that's not the spirit of Christ. So, hopefully today we can bring to bear some understanding, beginning with those two Ukrainian, Russian, Slavic pastors. It will give some insight, maybe, as to where we're all missing. We'll be right back. <clears> Thank <throat> you. There may be folk out there who think that I come across here on this program as a know-it-all. The reality is I don't know it all, and that's why I do a very considerable amount of research to try to understand positions around the world from different viewpoints, different uh, political viewpoints, different spiritual viewpoints, and so on, to better appreciate the greater picture that is taking place in our world. Because quite frankly, friends, it's that greater picture that God is looking at. He's not looking at our little petty anti uh, viewpoints. He's looking at a much bigger picture. In fact, he has a greater intent. His greater intent is not to save America, per se, as an institution. His greater intent is to save the American people. His greater intent is not to make Russia the great domineering uh, sovereignty of the world, no matter what Vladimir Putin might think or not think. His goal is to use Russia as a means of accomplishing his purposes in the world as we approach the second coming of Christ. His goal is not to make Benjamin not Netanyahu or anyone else there in Israel the kingpin of Israel, His goal is to raise up Israel as a glory to the nations, if only they will receive Yeshua as Messiah. His goal is not to be antagonistic to Arabs, for after all, Abraham himself was an Arab, a Syrian, coming from Ur of the Chaldees. His goal is not to rage against Egypt or Egyptians because they actually offered hospitality to Joseph and Israel in their great existential moment of famine. You see, God is not opposed to all of these people in and of themselves. There are only certain groups that God has expressly said that he's opposed to. One is the Edomites. Why? Because they were relatives. You remember Jacob and Esau? Esau was an Edomite, and they came after Israel and did not show brotherly love and hospitality, and God says, away with you. He actually did. Read the book of Obadiah. The Amalekites that attacked Israel secretly from behind as they came out of Egypt, they showed no mercy, no kindness, whatsoever and God said utterly destroy them utterly destroy them now aside from those and some other groups in psalm uh, 83 that we know are going to collectively come against Israel in the end times which includes a group that is broadly referred to as Palestinians now we we know those things are happening as we speak God is not against Syrians, even though the leaders of Syria have just declared that they're prepared to wage war on Israel again. But God used Syria, you see, to house many of the first Christians. Remember, it was Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, who was on his way to Damascus, the capital of Syria, to fetch Christians there because he knew there were a lot of them there and he was going to take them down. So you see, God has a different perspective than you and I do, and he judges the nations in ways differently than you and I do. He may judge Ukraine differently than you and I do. He may judge Russia differently than you and I might be prone to do, given our American connection or given our historical understanding of the Soviet Union. There are so many things. And, you know, when you imagine that Armenia was the first declared Christian nation, that Ukraine was the first to declare Christianity in the Slavic world, hmm, Now, that might put a little different perspective on things, don't you think? Hmm. There's so many things, you see, that we don't know. Some things we don't even want to know. I'm hearing people comment on the air today uh, and within the last few days, talk show hosts vitriolic about the fact that Tucker Carlson happened to go To Russia to interview Vladimir Putin well he didn't go there to have a talk show it wasn't that kind of an interchange what he was trying to do was try in some way to understand the various ideas and viewpoints that were going on whether you agree with Tucker Carlson's view or not is not the issue He didn't, that's not why he went there. But people are just raging now that that was an act of treason. Really? It's treason to try to find out the reality of what's really happening in our world? And to try to understand it? No. It might be treason to not want to do that. Huh. If God's view was not in alignment with yours. So why are we in Ukraine anyway? That's a good question. Why are we in Ukraine? We've been there about three years now. Technically not in it, but yes, in it. With our billions, $100 billion that we have forked over to the leaders of Ukraine, whoever they may be, We don't even know who they are. The only name we really know is Zelensky, right? And we don't even really know who he is. He was an actor, and he became president. But other than that, what do you know about Mr. Zelensky? Not much. What do you know about those that support him? Not much. So what do you think you know? What do we think we know about this Russian-Ukrainian issue? Well, as I asked these pastors today, I said, "Can you give me just a, a simple as simple as possible overview of how you perceive the dynamics that are taking place?" Now, one of the pastors was not uh, overly uh, good in in English, and so I'm going to go to the second pastor uh, with whom I have had many, many a conversation in the past has spoken in his church. Uh, eight or nine times now. It's a very large uh, church, about 2,000 uh, Ukrainian Russian people. And uh, so here, I, I said, Pastor, what do you think is going on there? I said, I know going back that uh, uh, Kievan Rus' Russia was founded about 800 and something AD, and that shortly thereafter, Christianity was established by a leader there by the name of Vladimir and uh, so it was the that's how Christianity was re- introduced to the whole history of Russia around 900 AD. So I know about that. and I know that uh, uh, Kievan Rus, which was the foundation of Russia itself, in fact that's where Russia got its name, Rus, coming from a uh, Viking by the name of Rusik, who settled there. But aside from that, and Ukraine lasting until about 1250 A.D., when the Mongols came in and overran it, what are we to understand about the history here? Is the history more in line with uh, Mr. Zelensky's view or more in line with Vladimir Putin's view? What do you think his answer would be? Both. It's not either or, it's both. In other words, Ukraine was the very heart of what was Russia. It was Russia. It was called Kievan Rus. Kiev, you know, the capital of Ukraine? Kievan Rus. That's where Russia got its name from Russ, Rus, So then we find, of course, the whole history that Vladimir Putin wanted to come up around with, with uh, Catherine the Great and Peter the Great and and all of those great uh, leaders when Russia then came into the fore aside from Ukraine. And that's very real, too. And then you have the czars, the czars of Russia, That's very real history, too. So which history is more real? Which is more prevailing? Which is more, shall we say, persuasive in terms of bringing about a resolution of the issues between Russia and Ukraine? Pretty hard to find. Because the viewpoints are both very legitimate. And real. So what is it that impinges upon the Russian-Ukrainian situation that makes it even more difficult? It's the United States. And that's exactly what the pastor said. When the United States decided to come in and undergird Ukraine to be part of NATO... It threatened the border of Russia as perceived by Vladimir Putin. And so Vladimir Putin had given warning after warning, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then we did. And he said, okay, you've been warned since 2014. This is what I'm going to do. Now, does that justify everything that Vladimir Putin wants to do and the way he does it? Not necessarily necessarily in an objective way, but from his viewpoint it does. So now Ukraine then responds and says, whoa, uh, this is unrighteous, this is unreal, and the Western world comes alongside because we've been in the process of trying to set Ukraine up as our titular uh, boogeyman, so to speak, to go after Vladimir Putin, which is what we did, Go big, going back to 2014. But here's what my pastor friend said. He said, Chuck, the corruption in Ukraine is so great that it's almost beyond belief. He said, it troubles me to think that the United States is going to dump another whatever it is, billions and billions and billions of dollars into Ukraine when we don't even know where the money's going, to whom it's going, and we have absolutely nothing in place to determine or govern any of it, and he's absolutely right. So then, why is it that we're willing, our Congress, both the the uh, uh, Chuck Schumer heading up the Democrats in the Senate. And McConnell heading up Republicans in the Senate. Why is it that they're working together to do this? Because there is a mutual goal. And what is that mutual goal? To use Ukraine, you see, as Americans' buffer or engine, so to speak, to drive NATO and its strength to isolate Russia. There are many Republicans and Democrats that are at one over that. You see, this is not as easy as might seem. Are you willing to have another 60, 80, 100 billion dollars of Americans' taxpayer money to be thrown into the uh, corrupted mix there in Ukraine, not having a clue where any of it's going? not even to undergird the military strength of Ukraine to defend itself. No. At least half of it is going into the pockets of people who are siphoning it off for their own self-aggrandizement. Are you happy about that? So my pastor friend said, look, I can't tell you what the right answer is. Even if there were to be a ceasefire, I said, what would the answer be as to how to divvy things up and resolve them? His answer is, I cannot tell you because only God knows why this is happening. He said the reality is we're not willing to look at God's purposes. We're not willing to think about what God has in mind in this situation. What is God trying to accomplish through this situation that the rest of us cannot see or don't even want to see? Maybe we should talk about that. Maybe that's where the law of unintended consequences comes in. And that's just the beginning, my friends. Israel, Ukraine, Germany, Russia, all together. There is
1: so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint. We're talking today about the law of unintended consequences. As we take a look at our geopolitical world, the policies, the decisions that are being made, the choices that we're facing, the fear that's being mongered uh, through media and uh, through uh, political institutions all over the world. Does God have anything to say about any of it? And do we even care? Are we so proud in our own minds and hearts that we cannot allow ourselves to think beyond what seems to be obvious at the moment or what seems to be persuasive at the moment? In order to perhaps get an understanding of the bigger picture of things, I would urge you, if you do not have my book, King of the Mountain, I would urge you to get a copy of it. It's a $20 book. Here's for $15 on our website, saveus.org. It was written in 2013, and it is two or three times more relevant today than the day it was written. That's what people say about it. And it's true. Because it looked at the issues at that time and saw beyond what was to what was going to happen and why. From God's viewpoint, not from a geopolitical viewpoint. That's what's so unusual about the book. And it has a very, very simple premise. You know, if you were down, uh, I spent quite a bit of time Uh, During four or five years of my life, after uh, I graduated from college and was teaching my first years there in Southern California, I spent quite a bit of time uh, on the weekends, hiking, backpacking, and rock climbing and climbing peaks. And let me tell you, what you see on ground level has almost no bearing to what you see a thousand feet up. Get up on the side of Talkheats Rock there uh, out of Palm Springs, a 1,000 feet of uh, one granite thumb jutting out of the earth, and you're climbing the various routes there. And you look down, and you see things very differently than where you started. You go up to uh, uh, the Sierra Nevada. I've climbed a number of those peaks there. I remember climbing uh, Mount Whitney, the highest uh, peak. 14,295 feet or something like that uh, in the continental United States, climbing the uh, east face of Whitney, and uh, in bitter, bitter cold. And I remember getting up there at 14,000-plus feet and looking down. My goodness, the world looked wholly different. The panoply. And I've been on the top of many other peaks, And you look down and you see the most amazing sights. I remember being up on Mount St. Helens two years before it blew its stack. My wife and I were up there with another couple. We were going to climb uh, that glaciated peak and uh, never quite break it to the top. But on my way up, we got uh, whited out by a severe, severe whiteout cloud so that we couldn't see straight. We couldn't even see but about 15 feet in front of us. And it was very frightening. And so we couldn't see. The whole dominion was whited out. soup fog, let's put it that way. And then all of a sudden, this is one of the greatest memories that I have, friends. All of a sudden, there was a wind that came through like a knife, a a a knife cutting through butter, and it sliced right through those clouds and pierced all the way down to the lakes that were below called Spirit Lakes. Yep, Spirit Lakes, that's what they're called. And the Lord opened my eyes to see what he can do and what he wants to do in our lives. There used to be a song that says, I can see clearly now. Really. Most of us cannot see clearly now. In fact, don't even want to. It's too much light. We want to see what we want to see, and we want to see it the way we want to see it, and that's it. But God doesn't want us to see that way. And if we'll walk in humility before him, he'll allow us to see things that others don't see. That's why they called the prophets of the Old Testament seers. Because they could see, God gave them the ability to see what others could not see or would not see. Now the interesting thing is, as you know, that a couple years after we were there, there was a massive earthquake there. A a volcano, a volcano, and it was so severe that it completely wiped everything out there—the trees, everything wiped out—and those spirit lakes got filled up completely with lava. No more spirit there. Dead. I'm so glad that I had seen it before that happened. There are a lot of things, friends, that are going to happen in our world like that that we haven't seen or even recognized could happen. And that's kind of the law of unintended consequences. I have in front of me here a, uh, a copy of a large part of Haaretz.com from Israel. It's the most liberal newspaper in Israel online talking about the Israel-Gaza War. and Before I get into that, let me just tell you, you want to get a copy of that book, King of the Mountain, The uh, Eternal Epic and End Time Battle, because it will help you to understand the greater picture of history and prophecy so that these things that are happening will not take you by surprise and you'll be able to put the pieces together. Like a jigsaw puzzle. $15 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. In fact, I would recommend you get one for your pastor. Really, I mean that. Pastors need to have their eyes open. They see only the way their seminaries have taught them, or the way their particular denomination or their little group think group looks at things. But they don't necessarily see things from a bigger perspective. This book will help them to do that. If Israel invades Rafa, in the south what would be over be of over the 1.5 million palestinians who take shelter there that's a good question what would be well the thinking that most people have from that will be they'll just be destroyed but that's not a necessary answer that's only a necessary answer depending on your viewpoint what if egypt and what if jordan and what if Syria were to take in those people in hospitality because they're all Arabs? What if they were to take them in? Would they be destroyed? No. Will they take them in? No. Why won't they take them in? You see, if they would take them in, which they should take them in, then there would be no problem. In fact, there wouldn't have been a problem in the first place. There wouldn't even been a so-called Palestinian problem in Gaza if they had done that, 60, 70 years ago where they should have. But they didn't want to. Why didn't they want to? Because they wanted to use those people like we're using Ukraine as an arguing point to keep Israel under dominion with the Gentile world. That's why. Another writes, if we don't offer an alternative to chaos in Gaza, we'll end up with Hamas rule again. Well, that's true. So what's going to be your alternative? That's the question. We in Israel are far more dependent on U.S. than we ever knew. True. Why is that? What are the effects of it? Those things have spiritual implications and consequences. If Israel is entirely dependent upon the U.S., and the U.S. is not dependent upon God, that means Israel's is dependent on a non-godly entity to de- derive its future. That's a problem, wouldn't you say? Israel's Israelis hunt for love after October 7th. Hmm. The war in Gaza brings severe poverty and despair to the West Bank. Nobody would have thought that, but it did. And how about Jewish mega-donors helping fund Biden's re-election campaign? Why would that be? And how about Jewish mega-donors backing Haley as a long-shot GOP candidate? Why would that be? What are the unintended consequences of Jewish mega-donors taking these kinds of actions? And what does it tell about their minds, their hearts, their spiritual position, and so on? What does it say about their even their views concerning Israel itself? The law of unintended consequences, friends. Now, one says from the Jerusalem Post, this is Netanyahu's last opportunity. It's not too late for Israel's PM. He's allowing, he's divisive, and he's allowing his career to collapse. And the only way he can recover that is through national reconciliation. That's a conclusion, friends. Now, you may agree with that. It doesn't make it true. Why doesn't it make it true? because he has a bigger job to do than to pander to the tender sensibilities of citizens in his country that are really on the edge of extinction if he allows a mosque
1: to take over. Oh! Really? Have you ever considered what the early church was like? But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: The Law of Unintended Consequences. Here's an interesting one. Did you know that most of the churches that have been shot up in America over the past few years were shot up by transgenders? A talk show host just went through that little litany uh, today. Well, does God want, or ordain that transgenders should go up and shoot up people unwantedly in his church? No. Did he allow that to happen? Yes, because he didn't stop it. Well, what might be the unintended consequence of doing that? Something very different than what those transgenders who did that intended. May I suggest to you, it's already doing that. Helping to point out that this transgender movement in our country is wicked and dangerous. Hmm. You see, we don't think that way very often. We have a lot of knee-jerk reaction in the way we think about things. Here's an interesting one from the Jerusalem Post on a completely different venue. Young evangelical support for Israel is plummeting. To me, that's a natural, that's a given. Why would that be a given? Because the young evangelicals, millennials and Generation Z, are the most godless generation in the country. And they have been the most infiltrated by godless uh, professors, instructors, whatever you call them, the influences in their universities and colleges, including the Christian universities and colleges, by the way. And in addition to that, they don't go to any kind of legitimate news for their information. They go to their friends on Facebook and other social media. Now, what kind of information do you think they're going to get? They're going to get what they want. They're being led by the nose by ungodly forces, and viewpoints, including many of the pastors that they glom onto, because they also are young and raised in the same viewpoints. So it's changing their viewpoints concerning Israel and concerning Israel's role in God's intended plan and purpose. You see, that's the real issue. What is Israel's role, God's intended role for Israel, in his ultimate plan and purpose? They're saying now, there is no such role. Israel's a goner. Israel doesn't have any role. It's all about me, all about me as I profess Christ. That's called replacement theology, friends. And that's where our young are going. Now, how did it get this way? We're talking about the law of unintended consequences. Well, when we exposed our young people to ungodly influences in our colleges and universities, supposedly to get an education, well, they were educated all right, but not in any way you thought they would be educated. They've been anti-educated. They have been inculcated and propagandized by things that were totally contrary to what you would be willing to support. And so, what you're experiencing, what we're all experiencing, is the law of unintended consequences. We have actually been preparing our young people to be against Israel, not for Israel. And therefore, to be against God and not for God, because God said to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you and your descendants, and curse those that curse you. Are you beginning to get the picture, my friend? For some reason, we have lost our wisdom as Christians and lost our wisdom as Americans. Why? Because we've abandoned the fear of the Lord in the land. There's the next law of unintended consequences. You abandon the fear of the Lord in the land and you lose your wisdom. We didn't realize it. We thought we were just going to be real cool. We were going to be Americans. We were going to we know better now. We've got technology, we've got science, we've got AI, we've got all these things. We know better. Not. And we're reaping the unsuspecting consequences of what we have sown. And now, this article comforting with the Jerusalem Post says, you know, Israel's in trouble now. As late as 2021, only 33% of young evangelicals under 30 support Israel. And that was compared to 68% just three years earlier. Wow. So this Gaza war thing, this thing has completely changed the viewpoint of American young people. Why? Because they bought into the victimization concept that has been perpetrated upon them by the enemy of Israel and their souls, and that is that the Palestinian people, first of all, were a real people, which they are not. The people are real, but not the Palestinian people as such. This was an intentionally created group of people by Arab nations back in 1970, when, excuse me, 1948, when Israel had its war of independence, and the surrounding Arab nations said to the people, the Arabs that were in Israel, come out, leave them and we're going to go in, and we're going to push these Jewish people into the sea, and then you're going to be able to go back in and take over the whole land. That's what they did. And so they pulled out about six, eight 800,000 people out of Israel into refugee camps. They created intentionally these refugee camps. then what is Israel supposed to do when she becomes a nation? Now that they've created, that is, the Arab nations created this uh, horrific situation, now what's Israel supposed to do? And that's the rest of history. That's why this problem exists. And now with our president meeting with the king and queen of Jordan, they should be assimilating. Jordan was created expressly uh, for the purpose of bringing in those refugees, those Arabs. They brought in a few, but they refused the rest. Egypt has created a horrible fence, bigger than anything along our southern border, to keep out any refugees, any Gazans from Egypt. Why? Why? Come on, people, we need to start thinking honestly. God said of Israel, I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. Does that mean Israel's perfect? Absolutely not. And we have a right to look honestly at some things that Israel does or doesn't do. But then we also need to look honestly in the reality of history as to what the problem that Benjamin Netanyahu faces because the very existence of his country is on the line because Hamas is not just a kind force trying to protect Palestinian people. Hamas is dedicated to the absolute irremediable destruction of Israel and not only Israel, but their leaders have said, We don't want just Israel. We want the whole world. Are you listening? All right. Now, let's go to Russia and Ukraine again, and then to Germany. Again, we're talking about the law of unintended consequences. This article from the Russian Times how Western sanctions helped Russia regain cultural sovereignty. Now, that's interesting. America, through its entertainment, Hollywood enterprises, had infiltrated Russia and kind of seriously impacted uh Russian culture and sovereignty. So... When America decided to choreograph the Western world, the EU, NATO, to establish all of these uh, sanctions against Russia, it's had a reverse effort, a consequence. It's actually accomplished things that Russia itself could never have accomplished. Like, opening Russia then of necessity to the arms of China. Hmm. So now Russia and China amalgamate together, and China is the number one recipient of Russian oil and gas. Huh. Russia's economy booms now with oil and gas going to China. China just desperately needs it. And it's also catapulted China into the arms of Iran. So that China is getting major gas and oil from Iran. Iran, linked with Russia and with China now, is one of the key players of Ezekiel 38 and 39 that's going to attack Israel in the latter days to take a spoil. Are you beginning to get the picture, my friends? What we have done perhaps unwittingly, without God's greater viewpoint, a prophetic viewpoint, have actually been forcing Russia and other players, including the new BRICS nations, to formulate a massive economic force against the entire West. And it all happened because three years ago, we decided to pump $100 billion into Ukraine. Should we do that? Should we have done that? Should we do it again? Well, a United States senator, Mike Lee, spent four hours at the floor of Congress on Saturday denouncing the proposed funding bill for Ukraine now, arguing that it does not do enough to address America's mounting problems at home. So... The administration of U.S. President Joe Biden has for months tried to secure additional funding. Many Republicans in Congress would say, look, we have a greater problem here, and that's the U.S. border. We need to deal with our border first. So what's the unintended consequence, friends, of opening up our border? The unintended consequence, or maybe it was intended consequence, is actually draining the financial ability of the United States weakening the entire country financially and threatening the very democratic election process upon which the country stands. Is it intentional? Some argue that it's intentional. Others argue, no, we're just trying to be nice, we're trying to be loving, we're trying to be kind. Uh, Didn't God say we should love one another and so on? Yes, yes. But that's not all. God calls for borders. God is the original order of borders. Perhaps you didn't know that. We did a whole program on that last week. So what should we do? Maybe we should rethink, from a bigger perspective, what God's intended plans and purposes are. And then... Ten million more refugees now could very well flee to Germany if Ukraine fails, we're told. And Germany is warning Israel against catastrophe in the making. Germany should talk. Germany is one of the biggest problems out there right now. And is weakening to the max because of America's push for sanctions of the entire Western world against Russia. It will eventually cause Germany to capitulate into the arms of Russia for oil and gas. The law of unintended consequences, my friends. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of my book, King of the Mountain. $15 on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us. God bless and be a blessing.